Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. a few show date announcements october 6th 7 p.m i will be at the yard theater co-hosting the cold ass fuck show with Kristen lundberg it's a variety show with comedy clowns drag king and queens musicians it's going to be an awesome time so please come the tickets are ten dollars on eventbrite and fifteen dollars at the door so i suggest that you purchase them online ahead of time so you could save five bucks the uh show ticket link is on my website at hga.com. October 14th, I will be at Stax Comedy Show. It's at the Sideshow Bookstore, 7.30 p.m. October 20th, I'll be at Grand Central Market in downtown Los Angeles for the Comedy Roof Show at 8 p.m. I'll be announcing more show dates for October very soon, so please be sure to check my website, hja.com, and my Instagram at hj for show updates. Today, I want to talk about the show Squid Game, which is an action-adventure thriller drama premised on survival gamification. It's written and directed by Hwang Dong-hyuk. It stars Lee Jung-jae, Park Hye-soo, and Wee Ha-jun. Lee Jung-jae is perhaps the biggest star power draw from South Korea for this show. Both Lee Jung-jae and Park Hye-soo have some global Netflix exposure because they're in Netflix streaming TV shows like Prison Playbook and Chief of Staff. Lee Jung-jae initially started his career as a model, and he made his breakthrough appearance on TV through shows like Sandglass, which I mentioned several times on this podcast because it's a mid-90s K-drama classic. Lee Jung-jae's good looks got him on a bunch of movies and TV shows despite his lisp. <laughs> he used to have a lisp, but it's mostly gone now. But through the 90s, he was very well-renowned as a movie star. He was in Lee Jae-yong's film called An Affair, which he co-starred in with Lee Mi-suk, and he played a younger man in love with an older woman, an older married woman or older engaged woman. Anyway, he was involved with a with an older lady who had uh, another significant other. Uh, Lee Jae-yong is actually a very great queer filmmaker that you guys might be into. He made some excellent movies like The Actresses and The Pakas Lady. Pakas Lady stars uh, Yoon Yeo-jung, the Oscar-winning Yoon Yeo-jung, and it's a really great film. Lee Jung-jae is also known for Il Mare, which he co-starred in with Chun Ji-hun, a.k.a. Gianna Chun. Uh, you know Chun Ji-hun because she's in the Netflix Korean zombie period piece Kingdom. So Obviously, there are two seasons of The Kingdom, and then you have the third uh, movie, I guess. That's like a, 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 I don't know how to explain it. It's like a, a connection, a connection, a connected movie to the two seasons of Kingdom. In any case, she's in that. Chun Ji-yeon is, uh, yeah, she's she's his co-star in Il Mare. And Il Mare was adapted into a Hollywood flick. Uh, produced by Warner Brothers, and it became retitled as The Lake House, which features Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves, which I, I mean, it's most likely not a very good movie. I don't think most global audiences would recognize Lee Jung-jae's long history in show business, nor would they recognize his mega Hollywood status, but 
I am emphasizing his stardom here and now because in Korea, he is a huge deal. Lee Jung-jae plays a radically different role in Squid Game. He's essentially a loser, uh, which is very ironic given the fact that he's the one who ultimately wins the the entire uh, series of games. Lee Jung-jae's characters... Uh, in the past, were typically well known for their sex appeal and wealth and glamour, uh, stoic masculinity, a uh, hardness. But in Squid Game, all of that gets unraveled. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Squid Game gets a few Emmy and Golden Globe nods for Netflix next year. It reached number one in U.S. Netflix streaming numbers this past week, and rightfully so, because it's a really, really good show. In any case, I kind of appreciated Yi Jung-jae flexing his uh, acting versatility on this program. He's very, very different from the usual characters that he played in the past. There are also a couple of very welcome cameo appearances, right? For one, we have Kung Yu, who we've seen in The Goblin, Lonely and Great God. Kung Yu's cameo appearance mostly has to do with the fact that he and the director, uh, Hwang Dong-yuk, collaborated in uh, Hwang Dong-yuk's second feature film, Silenced. Hwang Dong-yuk is a writer and director of Squid Game, but he's also a pretty well-known filmmaker in South Korea. Okay, so he graduated Seoul National University. I believe he majored in communications and he has an MFA in film from USC from Los Angeles. Uh, he made a short film called Miracle Mile, which stars Carl Yoon. Carl Yoon is the brother to Rick Yoon, who is known for being in the Fast and Furious films. And that movie won a few uh, awards, including a student Emmy, which is, you know, I guess prestigious if you're in film school. Huang worked with another Korean American actor named Daniel Henny, who you would all know if you've seen uh, my name is Kim Samsun. So Huang and Henny collaborated on uh, Huang's first feature film, My Father. Uh, then Huang made Silenced, starring uh, Kong Yu. And that uh, film is based on a true story about a school that was dedicated to uh, disabled children who are mostly deaf and mute. And all of the children were sexually and physically assaulted by teachers and staff. And then Huang made his third film called Miss Granny, which stars Na Moon-hee. And then Huang's latest feature film is called The Fortress, which is a period piece starring Yi Byung-hun. So Kung Yu and Yi Byung-hun's cameo appearances in uh, The Squid Game is actually, it's really a gesture that points to Huang's filmography. And this is very common in a lot of Korean dramas. The directors and or writers will insert actors that they have worked with in the past in the in the uh, present show with sort of these like cameo appearances just to kind of nod or um, sort of allude to the previous works that they have worked on together. It's like a very interesting way of self-promotion through this kind of intertext. Hwang Dong-yuk is now a showrunner, right? So he's sort of um, expanding his role, going beyond just a filmmaker and writer status. He is now a showrunner and he's sort of well known for always emphasizing social issues in his work. So his uh, latest work, Squid Game, it's got this socio-cultural, political, and economic critique of Korean society. But I think it goes well beyond just Korea, right? It goes into a critique of global inequity. 
The fact that Squid Game was designed in order to appeal to the wealthiest people on Earth, and I'm talking about the the actual text of the show, right? Like we later find out that these games are just to entertain the wealthiest people who just come to observe and watch and bet money and just be amused, right? So you have the world's 1% watching these games live and the majority of them, save for one Chinese man, are all white men, right? And so this is sort of a jab at global hierarchy, entrenched and economic inequality. When I saw the scenes with the white men wearing masks watching these games, uh, which includes these desperate people who are at the bottom of the economic ladder who are killing one another to survive and win money, it reminded me of a story I once heard from a very wealthy friend of mine. She told me that in New York, there are these underground restaurants where the wealthiest elites wear blindfolds to enter because it's such a secret, like nobody's supposed to know that these restaurants exist. It costs thousands of dollars to eat there. And once they're inside the multi-course menu is uh, of food made from endangered species all right so all the uh, animal carcasses that are um, cooked are on the endangered species list so it's a it's a completely illegal menu right and this is what wealthy people do they'll go and pay thousands if not tens of thousands of dollars to eat foods that technically should not be food, right? And we kind of catch a glimpse of this kind of culture on that HBO show Succession when Tom and Greg eat at a restaurant that serves a songbird as part of its multi-course menu. And that songbird is an endangered species. So they're supposed to eat this songbird whole with a napkin over their faces, right? So this is the kind of thing that wealthy people do, right? As Squid Game mentions, people with money, they grow very bored once they have money. And all they're interested in, all they are striving for is, is to feel something again, right? And so the message here is money numbs you to everything. That's why so many celebrities complain once they make it to the top that money doesn't solve everything. Of course, for people who don't have money, this kind of complaint is an absolute insult, right? What this means, I suppose, is that human beings, they have no sense of satisfaction ever right? Any sort of satisfaction will always be at bay. What I loved about Squid Game is that it's sort of the, the perfect uh, medley of a critique and a frank exploration of a concept called neoliberalism. I'm pretty sure that I talked about neoliberalism several times on this podcast, but let me refresh you on what it means because it's very important. And I think very few people actually know what it means, even though it's a very commonly used term in our discourse. So neoliberalism stems from the expression laissez-faire, which is a French term that Americans adopted in the late 19th century during the industrial revolution. And this is a period when America was intensely urban there was a densification of cities, factories, pollution, child labor, exploitation of female labor, etc. And laissez-faire literally just means hands-off economy, right? This, this much I, I believe we know because it's commonly uh, talked about in our history and sociology classes. Um, so laissez-faire just means hands-off economy, meaning that the government will not meddle in private sector businesses, okay? So this is just sort of this government and uh, business model or agreement that the government will be hands off when it comes to 
private businesses. While this is very complicated today with antitrust laws and anti-monopoly laws that were enforced in the very, very late 19th century, back then the rich could exploit and own anything that they wished to. Okay, So laissez-faire came to be because rich people didn't want the government telling them how to make money and what to do with that money and not to govern whatever it is that they do that sort of anything it takes mentality right like they were just like you have no business telling us what to do so this concept today in the 21st century is referred to as neoliberalism because economics are not separate from cultural social and political realities right we all know this for instance a lot of uh, a lot of people today they wear fitbits right we have fitbits and we have our health data monitored by our phones right like my phone monitors how many steps I take per day. Well, what these tech companies do is they take your health data and they sell it to insurance companies who will decide whether or not to insure you and for how much based on what kind of liability you would be by tracking you in terms of how much exercise you uh, participate in per day. All right. So this is neoliberalism at play. Businesses that cheat they are not held accountable, but you, the patient and the consumer who needs health care, who needs health insurance, you will be held accountable and blamed for not getting your 10,000 steps in daily. All right. So if you were to um, have heart disease, if you were to have diabetes, if you were to suddenly develop cancer, then these health insurance companies would have a reason to blame you for it and charge you a very high premium or or whatever the fuck. Okay. So here's another example. Think about shows like The Biggest Loser. Okay. So you have this reality show called The Biggest Loser, where you have very, you know, morbidly obese people who show up, and then you have health coaches and nutritionists who are yelling at them and telling them that the reason why they're fat is their fault, right? So think about this term morbid, morbid obesity, right? Even this phrase morbid obesity blames the person who was obese for killing themselves, right? It doesn't question the systemic and structural issues that might be causing obesity in our American society. People with weight issues and food issues usually are suffering some from some kind of mental and or emotional disorder caused by social structures, whether it be family or their local society. Sometimes it's a physical uh, illness that leads them to that lead that lead them to obesity. Look at cafeteria foods that you see at public schools. Okay, when I was growing up, I attended only public schools, and the foods that were served were very high in starch, high in fat, and high in sugar. Okay, and these are foods that are highly addictive as well. So if you look at poor people's diets, they're generally high in starch, high in fat, and high in sugar. Okay, because those are the most affordable foods. Is a stalk of celery that costs two dollars as filling? as a loaf of bread with peanut butter and jelly on it. I know that, you know, economics are directly tied to health and diet because I was poor most of my life. And whenever I'm broke, I usually go and purchase highly starchy foods so that I can fill my belly on a very low dime, right? But when a person gets diabetes or grows obese, doctors and health insurance companies will blame the victim right? They will not question the systems like schools or laws that don't enforce a livable minimum wage so that people can afford to eat whole foods that have nutritional value and will not cause obesity, right? These kinds of systems are not questioned. So when I started working full-time in 2012, I immediately gained 30 pounds, okay? 
uh, a big reason for that is because I was eating only pasta every single night because that's all I could afford. The company I was working at full time, they barely paid me $1,300 a month when I started working. And with that, I had to pay rent, my student loans, bills, transportation. And that left me with like maybe $100 per month for groceries, right? And I was eating a shit ton of pasta every single night and for lunch. And I got fat as hell. But nobody around me, right? Like my parents and my sibling, my uh, friends, my colleagues, uh, society just in general, nobody blamed my unlivable wages. They didn't question my company's salary. They criticized my food choices, okay? So this is neoliberalism at play. Neoliberalism is visible when the victim is blamed for the circumstances they are in and the systems that they are tied to are never, ever questioned. You can also see neoliberalism at play in how Hollywood and K-pop industries work, okay? So you have these young folk who are desperately clamoring for celebrity money and fame, and they do whatever it takes, right? Again, this phrase comes in, whatever it takes to get to the top. They will starve themselves. They will mutilate themselves through plastic surgery. They will sleep with executives. They will betray friends and colleagues. Again, whatever it takes, they essentially abandon themselves and their values in order to get to the top. And once they do make it, what do they do? They grow depressed. And then the industry ends up blaming them for becoming drug addicts or suicidal, right? They never question the system of the industry. The industry says, well, you walked in here on your own accord. How dare you question our system? That kind of gaslighting is neoliberalism at play. So neoliberalism basically has the illusion of freedom, right? Through this term, laissez-faire, you know, free economics, freedom to purchase, okay? Freedom to walk into workplaces and do what you must in order to make money, freedom to consume. You can be a consumer of every anything. But the consequences of these choices, these so-called choices by the consumer will only be placed on the consumer and not the people who created the systems. All right. So only the consumer is blamed, not the creators. Okay. So Squid Game is a perfect metaphor for how neoliberalism works in capitalist economies. And this goes beyond South Korea. It goes, it, it's applicable in any country where uh, capitalism is at play, any country where debt and credit are at play. And that is most of our developed nations. As you've all seen, if you've watched the show, the people leave the Squid Game Island at one point, right? Because they realize if they're on this island and they play these games and they're essentially risking their lives. But what do they all do? They, a lot of them come back immediately and return to play the games and win that money because life and soul was unbearable to them, right? They were all chasing some kind of dream. In uh, Kihun's case, he had a gambling addiction and he tried his own hand at his own private business, took out loans, but they all tanked. Okay. The reason why he pursued his own private business is because the car company that he was working for fired him, laid him off, and his best friend died during the strike, during the labor strike. So when Kuhn is signing the dotted line to take out loans from banks and loan sharks, Kuhn's trauma, his instability, perhaps the fact that taking out loans to try a hand at a private business is itself a gamble, right? These are not written out in the contracts. All of this is neoliberalism at play, okay? Again, it's blaming the individual, saying, well, you made this choice. You said you're going to do this. You decided to do this, right? So it's a game. It's a game of capitalism. All of us participate in a squid game when we live in a capitalist society, right? So squid game. 
Another thing I liked about this show is that it makes very clear that intelligence uh, and elite education doesn't necessarily equate economic success, right? So you have Cho Sangwu, whose character is a testament to that. Yeah, he has this job at an investment firm, and he graduated Seoul National University, which is the top university in South Korea. But Sangwu comes from a poor economic stratum. His desperation and greed for money got the best of him, and Sangwoo swindled his investors out of a bunch of money. So he essentially stole, right? But swindling investors is something that mega rich people do every single day. That's why they're rich, okay? But the people who get imprisoned for those kinds of swindling, they are not the mega rich. They're usually uh, poor people. Or people who just got a taste of money, so new money people, okay? People who don't have any powerful family members, okay? They are the ones who end up getting arrested and going to jail. So pretty much everyone playing in Squid Games, they come from a poor economic background. Nobody has intergenerational wealth, okay? Of course, we later learn that the old man who was participating in the games, he's the one who was the uh, the the designer. The, the mastermind behind all these games, right? What I liked about Squid Game is uh, not only because it's a critique of capitalist hegemonic patriarchy, but that it emphasizes where it stems from, and it stems from global white supremacy. I don't think it was as blatant, but it was still visible in what kinds of people that we see who are showing up wearing those colorful um, crystal masks and watching these games for their entertainment. One thing I did not like about the Squid Game is uh, the sexist expectation of women that the text starts to emphasize. Like when Kihun asks the old man why he's not at home eating, you know, like a warm meal that his daughter-in-law makes. That's a sexist expectation of women to be daughters-in-law at homes, taking care of their elders. And when the old man claps back and asks if Kihun's parents are being fed by his wife, Kihun doesn't say anything, right? And this show doesn't go into this at all, but the clashes in South Korean economics and uh, middle class expectations versus traditionalist gender roles, these create huge problems in South Korean society. And Squid Game ignored this completely. Instead, female characters that you see on this program are victims of sexual abuse, okay, or a North Korean defector, or a slutty woman with borderline personality disorder, right? Uh, a lot of male Korean filmmakers tend to exhibit this problem time and time again. They are not good at developing convincing female characters, and they should correct this by hiring more women as consultants and or co-writers, or at the very least as a part of their crew. So other than that, I think Squid Game is a really excellent show, and there are already talks of a season two. I'm pretty sure that Hwang Dong-yuk initially had Squid Game written up as an idea for a film because he's a filmmaker, but he adapted it into a TV show for Netflix because of all the hundreds of millions of dollars that Netflix gave to South Korea to create more content. So we'll see if season two even happens, but from the way season one ended uh, and all the high praise that the show has from uh, critics right Right now i feel like season two is in the works already will it be good who fucking knows i don't know usually korean shows that have these seasons they tend to be terrible okay but that might change i don't know maybe this will be the one that changes it 
I don't really have high hopes for it, but maybe. Who knows? The Korean TV and film industries are changing a lot, not because of Hollywood, but because of Netflix, okay? Netflix's streaming demands and the streaming schedules, that's really disrupting the way that South Korea is handling its uh, TV and film industries at the moment. I thought the music in Squid Game was really excellent, and this is, of course, for good reason. The composer is Chung Chae-il, and he worked on Bong Juno's two films, Okja and Parasite. And the music definitely elevates Squid Game to a filmic elegance that I really appreciated. So that's my take on Squid Game. I today talked to a very funny comedian she's vietnamese german based in hamburg her name is maimi and she is not only hilarious but she's so intelligent she is incredibly insightful i learned so much while talking to her and i laughed a great deal so let's talk to my buddy maimi yeah it reminds me of a of a naughty well, we're we're not related, but you know how it is in yeah. our culture. You, you just uh, people. They're all people. relatives. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when right before I moved to Hamburg when I was nineteen, mm -hmm. I spent like two months um, in that auntie's house. She was living near near Hamburg, mm -hmm. and um, I was looking for apartments in Hamburg so I stayed with her in these two months uh, mm -hmm. while I was looking and um, she didn't take any money from me for rent mm. because you know she was kind of like friends with my mom so she didn't right. take any money right. and but I offered it of course I of offered course. it and yeah. I was like please let me pay auntie and for your yeah. trouble Right, and she was like, "No, no, you just help me sometimes around the house." Like, sure, we'll do. And so sometimes I ask her, "So what you need me to do? What you need me to do?" And she she was like, "No, nothing, nothing is fine, it's fine." Uh huh. But the longer I stayed, the more passive aggressive she would get. Ah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And then I. Then when I was on the phone with my mom, she would, you know, tell me stuff like, you should have cleaned your room. <gasps> stuff she couldn't have known because she wasn't there. Right. 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 So you, you should. And what about the hair and your hair in the sink after you uh, took a shower? So your I mom said, was saying this to you? Yes. My mom was saying that to me and it was super oh. uncomfortable. Because so she obvious. was calling your mom and talking shit. Yeah. She was like, your daughter was like that and this <gasps> and that and this and that. I was like, why wouldn't she tell me to my face? Just yeah. ask me and I would do it. Like, yeah. what the fuck? And so many Vietnamese people are like that. You know? Uh, they, they would, are non-confrontational. Yeah. They would mm. never, like... I mean, they, they don't see it as uh, disrespectful, but like I'm a whole person. I'm like almost an adult. So just talk to me. Yeah. You know? Like you know, you would understand. Yeah. Yes. If she said like, "Hey, like, do you mind doing this?" Like, you know, you're already trying to be accommodating and be like a good guest by offering her payment for her troubles. Yeah. You know, like mm -hmm. it shows that you're conscientious. You know, like you have a, an understanding of how to be respectful and considerate. And for her so, to not 
see that you would be able to do that is, you know, living with people is just a pain in the ass. Just bottom line. Yeah, it is. I was like super hurtful because I thought like she would give me the feeling that I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had that core belief um, anyway, so um, why not trigger it more, you know? So, um, yeah, and at the end, like the last straw was when she asked me, so did you find anything yet? somewhere else and then i looked her dead in the eye and i was like yeah i found something i'm i'm out here next week and i lied Mm. i didn't know where to go Mm. i lied i was Mm -hmm. like fuck this shit i can't stay with this bitch anymore Mm -hmm. so (laughs) so and, and she had a daughter my age you know right um for her um but she had many issues herself, so never mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next thing, I moved to a Vien- another Vietnamese grandma in Hamburg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, I couldn't afford anything in Hamburg, so she took 100, 120 mm. per month. Like mm. hundred and twenty euros, like this, wow. like almost nothing, right? Wow. And um, and she would take a daily back scratch from me. Oh my that god! Was my, that was my payment. Oh like, my god! She would, she would, she would st- come at me with a spoon, <laughs> <laughs> and and the Chinese oil, right? And then. Like the first day, I didn't know what to do. I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Uh, and then, <laughs> in Vietnamese, you say "cạo gió," which means, which means, <laughs> like scratch the wind, kind of. I was like, "What the fuck does that mean?" And and at that time, like I had two other um, flat flatmates or um, dudes living with us in from- that grandma space. Yes, two other Vietnamese dudes. Oh my gosh, she's a collector. Yeah, and then the the other dudes they were like, um, you <gasps> know, illegally in Germany. Oh my god! And they were working in restaurants and uh, yeah, yeah, and Asia shops, like yeah, you know. Um, and the thing was, the the restaurants belonged to her her daughter. Oh my god. Grandma's daughter. <gasps> oh my god. It's a monopoly. And, uh-huh. and, grand, and grandma's daughter uh-huh. was a filthy bitch. Like she oh. she exploited her employees so much. Oh, and course, even the yeah. guys, yeah. even the guys uh living with grandma, yeah, they earned money and even had to pay grandma rent, right? <gasps> and grandma would give the rent to her daughter. Oh my god. This kind and did, of bitch. And did they did they have to like spoon her with a spoon and oil? First they they did it because she, she she's like 80, 80 years old. She doesn't give a fuck anymore who who does it or you know, okay. man or girl or yeah, yeah. woman, she doesn't care. Sure. Or pigeon, she doesn't care. So <laughs> she <laughs> then a girl arrives, me, right? And right, she was like, Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. A, a housemaid. 
You're right. I was late now. And so they showed me how to scratch her back. So you, what you do is you take the China oil, you put some drops. <laughs> China oil? Uh-huh. You put some drops on her back. And then uh-huh. you take the spoon and uh-huh. then you like, you kind of scratch it into the skin. Okay. The it's oil. like a massage. Yeah. And, and, and first, the first time I did it, I was like, you know, like just push it right like push back it around and forth. yeah push it around and she says yeah. what the fuck are you doing <laughs> just go in there go in there this like, is so what? horrifying like, i'm sorry I, I feel bad do i have to call the police or something like do i try support <laughs> <laughs> this is so horrible it's so horrible and they uh, and the, I was scratching, I was scratching. She was hard, and I was like, I do ah! my best. It's like the hardest I can. It's like the, your skin will come off. And she was like, Yes, they're supposed to. Oh my god, that's so fucked up. I can't. Oh my god. Oh god. It's 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 kind of for blood flow or some kind of shit, you know. Yeah, to get whatever. Her. It it feels good yeah. for her. That's why. Ultimately, it's for her feelings. Like people don't <laughs> understand, but like asking for body massages is kind of like a form of abuse. That bitch had no feelings no more. Her soul <laughs> left. Her soul left the body years ago. Okay. <laughs> No, this reminds me, like, I don't know, this might get into weird territory. You just let me know if you feel triggered, but I think you're fine. I mean, considering this fucking story, like, Jesus, you've seen, you've seen all the dark sides. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I, I'm sorry that happened to you, okay? Genuinely, like, that should not have happened to you. Like, you know, yeah, that's I'm what like... happens. That's what happens when you don't have money and you're young and it's like the world will fuck you in the ass with a knife-shaped cactus and leave you to bleed and they will blame you they'll be like it was all your fault all right that's the fucking world anyway i was 22 i was living in seoul at the time and like there were all these like american expats you know and you know how like uh perverted and gross like white guys in asia can be there's this one guy who i thought was a friend like we were friends at the time and he's like a couple years older, maybe three years older. And like he would sometimes stay at my apartment because he lived like four hours away or something. So whenever he came into Seoul, he would stay at my place. And I'm like, you know, I was very generous. I was like, you guys are always welcome to stay at my place if you need to visit Seoul. And uh, like it was just a one room studio. So like my mattress would be on one side of the room and his mattress would be on the other side of the room. And I'm like, I'm watching TV, right? Like all the lights are off and like, I have insomnia, so I have to watch TV. And he's like watching TV with me. And then he turns to me and says, can you, can I offer you money if you step on my back? And I was like, and this, it's like dark, right? It's nighttime, like it's bedtime. You know, it's like, shh, be quiet. Like, let's just watch TV and then we go to sleepy time, right? And he breaks all of that and says, will you, can I, I just didn't like how he worded it. Can I pay you $10? Like, he treated me like a fucking Asian massage parlor lady in that moment, you know? Like, 
And I was so confused and I just laughed it off. I was like, you're, ew, no, like you're being gross. He's like, why, come on, like I have back problems. Like I'm sleeping on the floor, as you can see, like I'm not used to it. Can you please step on my back? I'll give you $10. And I'm like, again, I'm like 22 years old, you know? I'm like so overcompensating all the time. You know what I mean? Like when you said like one of your core beliefs is that you are not enough. It's like a lot of us have that, of course. Like many young women have that. I definitely had it. I always felt like I needed to do, do more. You know, like I was not enough. I had to offer people a place to stay no matter what for free for as long as they want, however much they want. And so I'm like, oh my God, like if I don't step on his back, like, I'm being a bad friend and he's going to hate me is what I thought. So I was like, okay, I'll step on your back, but like, I will not accept your money. He's like, well, why? I was like, cause that's weird. It's weird to take money for a favor. So I'm like so uncomfortable and I start stepping on his back and he starts <laughs> making these noises like, <gasps> and it's like, so I was like, you have to shut the fuck up. Like I have neighbors. They're going to think some weird shit is going down. And, and like, I, I just felt so uncomfortable the whole time. And that happened to me when I was 22. In Seoul. In Seoul mm. From a white guy. Mm. And, and that guy, uh, I don't I think he was like, subconsciously maybe testing me to see like, oh, like, is Grace somebody that would do something like that? Like, is she a weak person like that? Because mm -hmm. after he did that, I moved back to New York. And he also moved to New York because he got into medical school mm -hmm. and he didn't have any friends in New York. So he would call me all the time and he, we would always get drunk together. Right. And this one time, I think it was Thanksgiving. It was like around, it was in the fall. And he was like, you want to come back to my place and like watch a movie? And I'm like, okay. Like, I'm so like, I don't, I'm so innocent. Like, I don't know what the hell, what anything is. And, uh, and this was before the phrase Netflix and chill even existed, all right? Mm -hmm. I go to his place, he puts on a movie, and I'm like sitting on the edge of his bed, and he's like, take your shoes off. I was like, oh, okay. Like, and I take my shoes off, and we're just watching a movie, and then he makes a move on me. And I was like, no, like, I don't wanna do that with you. He's like, why not? I was like, cause I know you don't like me like that. And he was like, mm -hmm. No, I do. I do. I do. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, we're friends. Like, you know, this isn't cool. This isn't cool. Yeah. But he insisted, right? And like I said, overcompensating for everything, right? Oh, mm -hmm. if I don't do this, I'm being a bad friend and he's going to hate me, right? The mm -hmm. core belief. You're, yeah. I'm not enough. That core belief. Yeah. And I wind up sleeping with this guy who had no respect for me, who mm -hmm. ultimately did not like me like that. He did not like me like that. It's just because he was in a city that he's unfamiliar with and he was lonely and I was just easy pussy for him, you know? And he knew that I would do anything to please him because I hated myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that abuse went on for two years. And I couldn't tell any of our mutual friends about this like I was so unhappy and stressed out that I would get uh hives all over my chest you know what I mean 
but like you know he would call me whenever like three in the morning and be like you want to come over you know and then if i ever called or texted him he would ignore me for weeks you know and it was just like a nightmare for like two years and i and he was like don't tell any of our friends about this you know and that made me feel like oh he's ashamed of me like that's why he's not telling any of our mutual friends because he's ashamed of the fact that he's having sex with some disgusting piece of trash like me and i was so like ashamed and unhappy and miserable but at the same time like addicted to this abusive guy that i let it carry on for two years and um finally he got a girlfriend and i found out through like a mutual friend of ours like he was like oh did you meet dan's girlfriend and i was like like so shocked i was like i don't even know what he's talking about like what girlfriend and um that's when i knew i was like oh i guess he's not going to be coming around anymore you know and then uh like six or seven months after i found out that he had a girlfriend um i was walking with a friend of mine who was visiting from philadelphia and he texted me he texted me the same thing he would always text me whenever it was a booty call he would text me one word with a question mark he would write hello with a question mark like that was always a booty call right and he texts me that and like i've had seven months of having him out of my system and when i saw that it all came rushing back and i was like in this like despair and confusion like oh my god like what am i supposed to do with this message and like i felt so burdened by it and then my friend says to me this is a very important moment in my life she says to me, Grace, if this person is your friend, he would say, hi, Grace, how are you doing? I would like to meet you for lunch or something. Like, would you like to hang out? Like he would say, say his intention in clear sentences because that's how people speak to each other when they respect each other, right? My friend like had this moment with me and that's when I deleted his number and blocked him on everything. And I never spoke to this person again. And I really genuinely, I owe a piece of my life to that friend who took the time to straighten me out like that. She did it without any judgment. She did it with love and clarity, clear communication. And like, she really saved me in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. These this these moments, these um key moments. It feels like some somebody gives you the shower. Mm. You don't feel dirty anymore, you kinda of feel clear. Yeah. Feels like a shower, oh finally. That's a good analogy, a shower. You're good with analogies. You're I very love good with yeah. you're good with metaphors, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, maybe that's what a baptism is. Like they dunk you in cold water to like <laughs> straighten you out. It's like <laughs> you know? It's like wake up. Like that's why they dunk you in cold water. It's a baptism to leave your old self behind wake up to who you actually are, who you always were, which is that you have inherent value, that you're inherently lovable, 
that you are mm-hmm. inherently perfect and enough and that you never ever ever have to bring anything extra to the table to get anybody's attention or love or respect takes right? a, takes takes ages sometimes to realize takes that. a lifetime takes a lifetime you know um but you have a lot of wisdom i feel like you know I still do stupid shit sometimes, but I make sure that every time I do stupid shit, I have a new way to respond to it. So, mm. um, mm. I I saw this dude I saw last year, mm. uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, had a really good time, and we talked about what didn't work last year what Mm -hmm. went wrong when you guys were seeing each other yeah like we 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 had a one-night stand i would Uh, say because after that we we didn't see each other again we we, um actually we wanted to see each other again after that one night last year yeah but um we never made it because he made me wait Hmm. for to our date, you know, we I, I waited for him. That's and annoying. He yeah, he didn't text me like, oh, it takes longer or I have to work longer. He didn't text me. At the end of the night, I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to bed. And then he texted me like, I had a really long day. And I was like, are you dumb? Yeah, it's not nice. Like, like who says that? Yeah. I had a long night. Like, what the fuck? Where are your manners? Like, right. are you who shit in your who shed in your head? Like, <laughs> who does that? Like, yeah, no home training, no nothing. Like, dude, right? And then, and then, okay, for a year, nothing. And then he texted me again. He was like, I, ha- I had to think about you. We had such great conversations. I. I can't forget them, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay. Uh, then we texted about it, what went went wrong. We met up again. We talked about it. It was a really great night. Um, yeah. Great conversations. Uh-huh. And then the same shit happened. Oh, again. my God. Oh the my same God. shit. I was like, and then uh, luckily, luckily, I forgot my keys at his place. Hmm. I went back to get my keys, and um, this time, I just didn't give a shit anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, usually yeah. I'm, I'm very patient. Right. I'm listening. Yes, I explain stuff. I I'm very understanding because everyone is a human, <laughs> right? I can't I can't hear that bullshit anymore. Duh. <laughs> 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 And then then I was like, um, yeah, thanks for the keys. And by the way, you're a piece of shit. (laughs) And then he was laughing. He was like, what? What are you talking about? I was like, yeah, you're a piece of shit. (laughs) What? Your mama didn't teach you any manners? (laughs) Do you think your work is more important than the 20 seconds you could have texted me that you won't make it <laughs> the fuck man no home yeah. training and and, 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 and and oh yes you don't have expectations 
you need a bitch, but at least like we have standards, right? And you right. have no respect. You have no respect, Connie. You have no respect, okay? Basic manners. Communication, just basic communication. Right? Basics, basics, basics. <laughs> basics. Oh god. And then he was like laughing, but I could see like mm. he needed that TED talk from the <laughs> from the gutter, you know. He needed a spanking. He needed I mean, somebody I, to straighten his ass out. I mean, I wasn't perfectly mad, mm. but it was a new kind of. I, normally, I, I don't respond like that. Normally, right. I'm very like I'm very polite. Right. I understand. I get it. Yeah. But still, it really hurt my feelings. This time, no, you piece of shit. (laughs) You piece of shit. And he was like laughing because I'm a comedian, right? I'm a comic. So it is funny. It is funny. So, so, um, so she must be, uh, being funny right now. She must be joking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She must be joking. She's funny, you know? I was like, yeah, you piece of shit. Still. that's the brilliance of the joke is like it's funny but it's also it's funny because it's kind of true right it's not kind of it is go the fuck out of here with your american with kind of no it is the truth is funny yes and And that's why he was laughing because he knew that's true he knows he's a piece of shit and then i was like good luck because mm. he he was about he's about to move to Berlin. I was like, you fit perfectly. <laughs> you yeah. fit perfectly to yeah. that city because yeah. the way you behave, it's Berlin you style. To find love in Berlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Berlin needs more of you. <laughs> People who do that. <laughs> but okay, People, so yeah. You're no. you're saying you're gonna see this person again and try this again? No, no, it's like done. It's like oh, I see. Okay, I don't need. A, I need. I don't need a third lesson. Right, right. It's fine. Right. I like that. I don't need a third lesson. You're right. People say third times a charm. It's like no, you could stop at one. <laughs> you could stop at two. Yeah. You could stop at three, but it's better if you stop at one or two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like it's, the first time I was so confused. I was so how how is it possible that this human being he is so like he's so self aware? I that's what I thought. You know, oh. he's like he's, he's so spiritual. He <laughs> the way he talks, like he knows. You know, he sees things. You know, he sees. But still, you you can you can be so self-aware but still be a piece of shit mm-hmm. it's possible mm. it's so called yeah it's it, it's called diversity <laughs> <laughs> you should be a, a coach like an online coach i think it'd be funny because you know they have those like those female coaches who like coach women on like men and shit like you would like on youtube like I think you'd be good at that. You're really funny, and you actually say really insightful and profound things. <laughs> like you said a bunch of them during this interview, 
And I'm like, wow, yeah, you could be super self-aware and still be a piece of shit. Like that is like fucking bumper sticker shit, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about really insightful stuff like in um, generational trauma and, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> attachment theories and stuff like that, you know? Oh my and God. He end up still being a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> it's like uh, a multi-layered fuckboy. What? Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's like a five-layer fuckboy right there. Like, you know, I've met so many of those at this point in my life that I just, even when they're like that, I'm not fooled by it anymore. Because I'm just like, dude, I know just as much as you, if not more. You know what I mean? I have a doctorate. I'm a fucking PhD. There's nothing they can illuminate for me. You know what I mean? So when they start dropping knowledge, like it's so not like I'm so not charmed by it. Like if I find some somebody who says something profound, I, I am mesmerized by the profundity of that thought or that saying, but I don't attach it to just them and think, oh my God, like I need to suck that cock. Like before I used to. I used to do that, but now I'm just like, oh, I like that he said that. I'm gonna like carry that, and I'll mm -hmm. masturbate on it later on my own. Like I don't need him to stimulate me any further, you know? Like <laughs> masturbate. <laughs> so yeah. Like yeah. Like thing is, right? I've I've been in love with some really hot guys in my life, and. Whenever I want, I could just go back to that moment when I was boning that hot guy and be like, mm, remember that time, Grace? That was a nice time. And I'll just, you know, be in a good mood for the rest of the fucking afternoon. You know what I mean? Like, men don't know how useless they are to me. Like, I want them to know that. I want them to know I don't need you, man. Like, there's nothing about you that I need or want at all. There's nothing you do for me. You can stay over there and be terrified of me all the time. And that's cool. Like, in fact, that amuses me. There's so many like young male comics who are like terrified of me. It cracks me up. I love it. It's yeah. Are guys afraid of you? I feel like guys would be kind of intimidated by you, but also like really attracted to you. That's a pretty good, that's pretty accurate, yeah. <laughs> I know, I, I don't get, um, I was talking to another female comic the other day, and she was like, I get so many creepy DMs. And I was like, really? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, what about you? It's like, I don't. I don't know where you girls get them from, but nobody is DMing me. <laughs> I know. I was like, there was another female coming around me. She was like, you know, when somebody just airdrops you a dick pic, I was like, I've never had that happen to me ever. Like, they wouldn't dare airdrop me a penis photo. I will fuck them up. Like, nobody's ever done this to me. It's happened to a lot of my girlfriends. Yeah. I'm very proud of myself that I reached 
that point of my life where I have this kind of aura. I'm radiating this kind of aura when guys look at me mm. and I give them a look back. I mean, you're cute, but I give them the look my mother would always give give my boyfriends or ex-boyfriends. Mm. You will never be enough. <laughs> like, and they know, they know, you know, they know, <laughs> they know. It's like, they don't even try and sometimes I, I do it unintentionally. <laughs> it's like my mother's resting bitch face on my face. It's like. Oh, my God. I think, yeah, I have that, too. Like, guys are always, like, like butthurt just by looking at me. I don't have to say anything to them. And they just, like, get really, like like they cower around me and they're like mad i'm like why what did i do and they're like you know like you should smile more like your face the look you give it's like it like <laughs> i guess it ruins their day or something and i think it's that face the face of you will never be enough sorry my mom yeah. would communicate that to me like in other ways like you know like when i was a kid i would draw a picture and i would show it to her and this is what she would do <sighs> <laughs> It's nice. That's what she would do. Yeah. Yeah. My, I mean, okay, your mom my my mom would do the same level of um but in different ways. She will at least she would like kind of try to understand. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Okay, and what you did there? Uh-huh. Um, uh Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mom, I won first prize. She was like, oh, yeah. All right. first prize. Mm, yeah, okay. first prize. Yeah. First prize. Oh, These are just words. And and every day would like end or escalate. And the fight, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, she would pick, pick, pick the pride I had before and just crush it. And in, in another moment, when she would get it, like, why the fuck I would tell you, do the laundry as well. It's not done yet. Fuck your first prize. Fuck your first prize. Not me first prize. Who needs that? Who needs your fucking first prize? Huh? I need the fucking laundry to be made done. Huh? You can't do no fucking laundry. Fucking first prize. Nobody fucking need that. Exactly. Like those are just words. That's all they are. First prize is they're just words. They mean nothing to her. It means the same as do your fucking laundry. Like, did you do the laundry? Yes or no? You know? And even if you did do the laundry, imagine if you said, Yes, I did do the laundry. She'd be like, Okay, yeah. Like it still wouldn't satisfy her. It would just be like, okay. Like that's the minimum default, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's the minimum baseline, and I don't have a reason to get mad at her right now. That's all it is. It's never gonna be, oh, I'm happy that you achieved this. It's always gonna be, I have no reasons to be yelling at her right now. Yeah. Like that is the absolute peak. I have yeah. my my mother complex mm -hmm. is so bad mm. that. The other day, I realized I'm lucky to be a girl 
I turned mm. out to be a girl. Yes. Because imagine my mom had a, had me as a son. Mm. Imagine I was her Vietnamese son. The thing is, the dynamic between mm. mother and daughter is different than mother and son. Yeah. She would love and hate me the other in another way. Like Yeah, totally. She would have this emotional incest with me. A hundred percent. And no girlfriend would ever be enough to her. Yeah, of course. And she would guilt trip me all the time. I mean, yeah. she's guilt tripping me anyways, but yeah, for girls, it's a different way of guilt trip than for boys when right. they are with the mom, you know? Right. Uh-huh. The Asian moms and their guilt trips for boys. Ugh. It's disgusting. Oh. Like, when I watch... Like, okay, so I have a younger brother. You mm-hmm. have a brother too, don't you? No. You're an only child? No, I have sisters. Are you see, Oh, older sisters, younger sisters? I'm the oldest. Ah, that's why. Okay. So you had it I rough. Caught, I, I caught the most bullshit. You caught the most of it. Yeah, the oldest child always does. It's like never yeah. going to be the younger one. So uh, my mom has a son, my younger brother, and my mom favored my younger brother like she's not conscious of it but it's very blatant and obvious to everybody (laughs) it's obvious to my dad it's obvious to me it's obvious to my relatives it's obvious to my friends like everybody fucking knows um and like my brother got married to a woman that's 10 years older than him and when they were dating like my mom was just so enraged like hated her like raging out which is like understandable like like 10 year a woman 10 years his senior like when they he start he was 20 when he started dating her like he's 20 she's 30 like that that is kind of gross but i got to know this woman and she was like a decent person like she was actually kind of great and my mom just like hated her right and uh, when they were about to get married, like I had to do a lot of like talking to my mom and be like, look, they've been dating and living together for six years. And if John doesn't marry her, it's OK. If John doesn't marry her, then he would be an asshole. Like, do you want an asshole for a son? Like he's doing the right thing by marrying her. And my mom's like still upset. Anyway, long story short, they get married. Right. And my mom comes around to, you know, apologizing to her and being like, I'm sorry. And, you know, welcome to the family. Like, you know, my mom came around to it. You know, good job. Right. But then my mom and my dad, they leave their church, their Korean American church that they've been going to since like 1995. Like, like 20, they've been going to that church for 20 something years. And one day they just leave. And I was like, I asked my brother. I was like, why did you, why did mom and dad leave that fucking church? Like you and I left because we had reasons, but why did they leave? And my brother's like, they left that Korean American church because my, like, you know, our mom was embarrassed to tell everybody that I married Tam. I was like, is that the real reason? He's like, yeah. And he was saying this, like, it was totally fine. And I'm looking at him like, how are you okay with this? You know, like, how is everybody okay with this? You know, 
but my brother felt so guilty and ashamed of the fact that he was going to go against my mother's wishes by marrying this woman. Like when he was about to marry her, you know what he did? He didn't even tell our mom and dad. He called me. First of all, my brother, that piece of shit, he gets engaged on my birthday. Who fucking does that? It was my 30th birthday. My brother gets engaged. I'm like, you're that's gross. He calls me the next day. On my on my actual fucking birthday, the day of my birth, he calls me and he's like, uh, Tam and I are engaged. We're going to get married in Hawaii. We'd like you to be at the wedding. I was like, okay. And he's like, I didn't tell mom and dad. I was like, well, you're going to have to tell them, right? Because they're going to be at our wedding. He's like, I'm not going to tell them I'm getting married. I'm just going to invite them to Hawaii and we'll just have the wedding. I'm like, so you're just going to surprise them by having a wedding in Hawaii? With, with Tam's family there and you're just gonna fucking be like, surprise, I'm marrying the woman that you fucking hate. Like, that's what you're gonna do to our parents. We have no other family in this fucking country. This is what you're gonna do? Are you fucking crazy? Like, that's girl, how fucking please. stupid men are. You know what I'm saying? Girl, please, too much stress for me right now. <laughs> And, and, and my brother's like, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, mom still hates her. I was like, you... I was like, if you're so ashamed of marrying this woman, right, then you shouldn't even marry her. You shouldn't. Why are you marrying this woman out of shame? If you love this person and you're proud of this person and you're marrying, which is to declare to the world, I'm marrying this person. You're my witness. And you're going to hide it from your parents. You're harboring shame. I'm like, that's a bad start. You need to tell them and you need to get them to approve or or just be there. Just get them to know that this is what you're going to do and be bold about it. Drive up home this weekend to mom and dad's house. Bring her with you and tell them you're marrying her and that you want them at the wedding in Hawaii. And he was like, ah, I'm scared to do that. I was like, if you're so fucking scared, then you could call me and have me on speakerphone and I'll, I'll be on speakerphone. So that's what he fucking does. He takes her to the house puts her on FaceTime, puts me on FaceTime. And I see my mom in the hallway with her arms crossed. She's not even sitting. She's standing in the hallway. She's so mad. And I'm telling her, I'm like, you know, like they've been dating for six years. You knew this day was coming. Get around to it. Get over your feelings. It's happening. You know, it's happening. And um, like they get married. Like my parents came around to it and and they got married. It was an it was a beautiful wedding in Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii. In Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii is beautiful. Like I was like, I was always like, you know, Hawaii is such a cliche. Hawaii is such, it's so beautiful. When I got there, I was like, I understand. Now I understand I why. And 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 I understand why the indigenous people there are fucking furious. Yeah, of course. You know, like America didn't take over Hawaii because, you know, they, because Hawaii wasn't amazing. You know what I mean? Like it's because it was because it's Hawaii. You know, they colonized Hawaii because it's Hawaii. Okay. That's, people don't realize like they they had a queen and everything. You know, they were their own sovereign land, and they fucking colonized that territory yeah. and made it America. It's not America's ultimately. But back to your brother, I I. I understand why he's so scared or he was so scared. Probably he, he's a man. They're such cowards. No, it's not just that. I mean, he, I mean, come on. I, I, I think, I believe 
that women mothers play a huge part when it comes to mold the next generation of men. And mm. and I mean, not to disrespect your mother, but she yeah. kind of did her part to create that kind of man who is so coward, cowardly towards her and to his wife, right? Yep. yep. So I feel like many times sons are hesitating when it comes to disappointing their mothers because there was so much enmeshment going on. Mm. When probably maybe your brother is more enmeshed with your mother than you. I mean, you said it yourself. Yeah. Everyone knew that he's her favorite um, mm -hmm. child, child. So mm -hmm. there, there, there are some benefits to be the favorite child, but also, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, um, a lot of fucked up shit. Fucked up shit, like enmeshed. Yeah, and expectations yeah. and right. you know, mommy loves you. Never mm -hmm. disappoint me. I love you mm -hmm. the most. Don't you dare break my heart. I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas you're right, you're right. With me, whenever my mom threatens death, I'm like, go ahead. Like as if I care, you know? Like that's the thing. It's like when a mother favors one child over the other, the other one that didn't get favored, they're kind of free. Like I've always felt free from my parents' burdens and and their like control shit because i was like okay like you guys abandoned me when i was like a child like when i was a toddler and made it clear to me since i was four years old that i was not wanted you know like they didn't say that but they showed it through their actions by like leaving me at my grandparents all the time when i was a toddler leaving me at like you know relatives homes all the time and fortunately my grandparents were sweet to me but my relatives they were not they were really abusive and a lot of fucked up shit happened to me when I was a toddler that things that shouldn't have happened to me because my parents abandoned me. Right. And I, because I have that experience, like I sort of kicked my parents authority out of my head a long time ago. And that is a free mentality that I have that my brother just doesn't have, you know? And so like me being like bold and risky and like, speaking my mind and speaking my truth that's something my brother does just doesn't have at all because he still accommodates them mentally he accommodates their authority mentally i i, I watched a clip yesterday on youtube uh it's a show from or on tlc mm. and it called it's called um i love a mama's boy or something like that Oh my okay. god, it triggered me so much. The show <laughs> triggered me to the core. I was like, I can't watch this. I I get so much PTSD. Oh my god, too like, much. Describe this, one of these mamas, boys. Like, um, there was this Korean girl, and she is or she was uh, in a relationship with this Afghan Afghanian boy or guy. Right. And he, you know, sometimes it, it, it's very common in brown or South Asian um, cultures that they live with their parents until they get married. So yeah. you could yeah. be 40, you could yeah. be 40 and still live with your parents, right? You could be 65 it's, and still be yeah. living with your mom. Yeah. I mean, for Western standards, it's, it's, it's you know, a pretty fucked up. Yeah, but to be fair, in Western in Western culture, there are still people who do that, 
yeah, it's more yeah. for economic reasons oftentimes yeah yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. but uh to their defense like western culture is not the standard of the world yes. so yes yes never mind yeah. But uh, yeah, he lived with his parents and you could see like the bond between him and his mom is mm. strong. <laughs> like she, she loves, there was this interview with her and she was like, I love to feed Shakib or Shakib or what's his name. I don't know. I love to feed him. It's, it's a special feeling. It's, is the most beautiful thing in my world in the world he's my baby and and he was like yeah i love my mom mom's number one and then then the next clip was like it was valentine's day uh-huh. and <clears throat> he and his girlfriend they were arguing about whether or not his mom should come with them on a double date uh-huh. on valentine's day and he's he would always like schedule his his days like on the daytime it's his girlfriend on the evenings dates with his mom oh my god right and um on valentine's day then his mom comes to the room and she was like has this attitude like what the hell is she doing here like she didn't say what the hell but she kind of like yeah she wasn't what's happy. going on yeah she wasn't happy like Oh, immediate okay. attitude and then he was like so mom hey come here and we were thinking about um going to dinner for valentine's day and of course uh i want to invite you because you're number one and she's like right oh, i'm God. number one and i will always be number one <laughs> <laughs> and then i was like the fuck i was like girl and then they were like yeah we're in a relationship for three years. For three years, bitch! Run! Are you fucking serious? For three years? Why? Yeah, there's something wrong with her, too. Yeah, you're right. So then, <laughs> three years with this mama boy. And then... No. And then she was like, "No, it's it's Valentine's Day. It's it's a day for lovers, not for mothers." <laughs> <laughs> and then and then then the mom was like, "Yeah, and so what? We always celebrate Valentine's Day. It's the day to show love, and Shakib loves his mom." It's like, I was like, it's, "My, it's you know." Not- that kind of love man like and that was like my heart you know i felt it was so heavy i was like oh my god i feel so much trauma right now it's like <laughs> it's like this is, and i was thinking about studying psychology to be yeah. become a therapist you know fuck that shit i can <laughs> i no i think you would make an excellent therapist though i think I so too but the thing is like yeah, uh, yeah. Like as soon as a, a mama's boy like him and his mother would sit in front of me, I was like, "Fuck this bullshit!" Like, that's such a boy? that's such a good point. No, I'm learning so much from you right now. Like, um, first of all, like you know, you sort of helped me come to this understanding about like, oh, the benefit of being the unfavored child is that that child is more free. And the other big realization is like, yeah. I used to have, you know, you know, childhood friends, right? Do you still have a lot of childhood friends in your life? No. I don't have that many. I have maybe two, like literally, it's down to two or three. Like I, two, 
maybe three, three friends that I still talk to uh, very rarely. And one of them I kind of talk to a little bit more nowadays because we're working on something. But um, there was this one girl that I knew from like elementary school and everything about her pissed me off. Like she would do something that she thinks is right. And I would just be like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like watching a person take a hot iron and pressing it against their face. And I'm like, stop pressing that hot iron against your face. You're going to burn your fucking face off, you know? But like she would, that's how she lived every moment of her life. And I just realized, oh, she was traumatizing me. Like she was literally triggering me by being the way she was you know like there's nothing wrong with a person being a fucking mama's boy technically technically there's nothing wrong like that person can be a mama's boy he doesn't necessarily bring harm and injury to my life at all it doesn't affect me at all i'm the one that's choosing to watch this mama's boy tv show but it is it is uncomfortable as hell. It feels like I'm in the middle of a battlefield and I need to rescue this stupid idiot, right? Like, that's how I felt with this old friend, this old childhood friend. I, I, w- I stayed friends with her for like almost 20 years and then I just stopped. Like, like around that time, I was kind of like cutting out a lot of toxic relationships from my life. And it's not that that person was toxic per se. It's not that I was toxic per se. It's that the chemistry was not good, you know? So you take two chemicals that will cause a combustion. That's what it was. And Mm -hmm. like the way she lived her life, it -hmm. was just so stressful to me to witness at all times that I just had to be like, enough, man. I got to change the channel on this shit. (laughs) I... I, and, and I had to think about this show, like, all day. It triggered me so much. I was like, why the fuck did I do it? That's why so the fu- fuck did I watch it? It would be funny if you, like, went to, like, a healer or something, and they're like, what caused you this trauma? You're like, this TV show called Mama's Boy. <laughs> I was watching eight hours of it, and I am fucked up. Like, please save me. That's hilarious. It's like, I mean, I watched, I watched stuff that was horrible, you know. Mm. I, I have filthy friends who would send me filthy clips because they have filthy humor, mm. and I watched clips where men would shit into the bathtub and rub oh themselves God. with shit and jerk off to that shit because they are into shit play. Unacceptable. I, got, I, but nothing, nothing compared to that mama's boy bullshit that I watched. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so, I felt so violated and brave. I felt my authority I felt my autonomy as a person violated and raped. (laughs) Girl, please, please, three years, three years, how? Please leave. Leave this motherfucker because he's about to fuck his mom, literally. Just leave this motherfucker. They're literally one meal away. They're one Valentine's Day away from fucking. Like, you gotta go. You gotta go. 
actually you know you're giving me like so much to think about on this is like this is like so cathartic for me like you say you saying that you're watching this tv show and that it felt like it was triggering your ptsd is like now i'm now i'm starting to think are all the shows that we are attracted to that we're watching is that all trauma bonding you know what i mean like people who watch horrors and thriller shows or movies you know is that a form of trauma bonding people like me like i watch a lot of melodrama like i'll watch movies and shows that make me ball my fucking eyes out you know what i mean and like that's a form of trauma bonding i feel like you know so like maybe media is this sort of trauma projection like trauma response like reliving traumas like you know it's giving me so much to think about amazing um, that's a really good point because now i'm thinking about okay i used to watch grace anatomy i don't do that anymore so it means i'm healed and <laughs> in a way i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch that bullshit anymore, but hey, no disrespect to Grace and I, it was a, I mean, it's still going. It's still so it's still going strong. They, they still going strong. Let me let me ask you some uh are you okay on time? Yeah. Are you, let me ask you some flashcard questions based on this okay. uh Korean drama. Uh it's a it's an action adventure thriller drama so it's called squid game it's immensely popular it's on netflix it's actually a very good show i recommend it i think you might dig it okay so i'm gonna ask you some questions based on the premise of the show and you just answer what whatever you would do if you were that person right okay okay so let's say you're a man in his 40s named ki-hoon you have a 10 year old daughter who lives with his and you live with your mother you're divorced your daughter lives with the ch the mother of your child, and uh, you're taking care of your elderly mother, and you're broke as shit. You have no money, okay? You took out all these loans of like hundreds of thousands of dollars. You took out all these loans from banks and from loan sharks, and you owe so much money to these debt collectors, right? But you work as a part-time chauffeur, and you don't make enough money to pay this money back. It's like an impossibility. Your mom collects garbage and recycles them for extra cash, okay? You have a gambling addiction, all right? So it's 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 morning, you wake up, and your mother puts some money on the, on the breakfast table, and it's your daughter's birthday. So your mom says, take your daughter out for some fried chicken. And what you do is you take that money, and you go to the racetrack and you bet it on horses, okay? But lucky you, you win $4,000. All right, it's a good day. But then you get all your money stolen by a pickpocketer and the loan sharks show up and they beat the shit out of you. And they say, if you don't pay them by next month, they're going to take your eyes and your kidneys and your liver. Now you're supposed to meet your daughter for dinner at night, and you already promised to take her out for an amazing meal. What do you do? Uh, this is not a show I would watch. Because... <laughs> Girl, you try to bring me back to depression. <laughs> Jesus. This is just the first 30 minutes of the show. It's not, not the okay. whole thing. Can I? 
I just okay. Is it is it um, rude if I would open a bottle of wine? No, it's, it's not rude. You can drink your wine. It's a lot. It's a lot to process. It's a, it's a lot. Um, how old is the daughter? She's ten. She's ten, okay. and she's smart. You know, she's very understanding. Okay, um, she's ten. Um... <laughs> Okay, so I have no cash left. You have like maybe ten dollars left. Yeah, you're very low on cash. Alright. Okay, okay. Suicide is not an option. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Oh I, I don't have. I don't have. Um, like the best surviving skills mm -hmm. but i would always try to make the best of it so mm -hmm. 10 how much would you get for 10 in korea hmm. good question you it's like i got i mean if i know the locals think about it like think about it like uh you know like there are all these like hawker stands in vietnam like you, like street food and stuff there's a lot mm -hmm. of those in korea and mm -hmm. there's also like uh con like convenience stores where they sell like you know like instant ramen and like they have like little little sausages or fish cake sticks and uh actually korean convenience store foods are really good <laughs> i actually love eating korean convenience store foods they taste delicious I mean, as a chauffeur, yeah, I would definitely give her a ride through the city hmm. to the most beautiful places. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's and a beautiful answer. For me, when I was a little girl, I yeah. appreciated every single moment with my dad. So uh. I didn't give a shit about about fancy stuff. I mean, you're 10. You don't, right. you don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I guess just being, just spending time with her. Yeah. That's such a beautiful answer. I'm so moved right now. <laughs> you're like a genius, dude. That's so true. Like kids don't care about what food you bring them or what material shit you bring them. I mean, they kind of care, but like, what they really want is to spend time with the parent. Like they they love that. They love being around their mom and dad and just to play with them, just to yeah, yeah be near them. You're, that's such a beautiful. And I would shoplift. And what? And I would shoplift for uh, fancy toys. <laughs> but I won't tell her. Come on, she doesn't have to know. Right, she doesn't have to know. Yeah, just give and the kid the thing that she wants. Yeah, and, and and fuck morals because uh they beat the fucking morals out of my sh body. So uh huh, uh huh, yeah. I it's, have uh... only one month to live. Exactly. Make the best out of it. Just, just, just shoplift. Yeah. Fill up the car. Steal it. Of, yeah. Yeah. Steal, steal a puppy. Give it to your kid. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Puppy. Oh. I love yeah, that answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That w you know, I I did about like 30 38 of these question things with comics and that was probably the most beautiful answer I got <laughs> in terms of a resolution. 
Because like a lot of uh, Korean drama premises start out this way. Like they're in a financial pickle because there's a loan shark that's threatening their lives and they have to go and figure it out. And you're just like, yeah, like I would drive her and show her beautiful things. And So what, what did they the other say? He uh, took her to like a street vendor stand and mm-hmm. bought her like very cheap, uh, like, do you know tteokbokki? It's like little rice cakes and they're in red hot sauce with fish cakes. Mm-hmm. So he got her that. And he went to, uh, you know, those um, those machines with a claw where it gets a prize. Mm-hmm. So he spent like most of his money trying to get a prize for her. And then a little boy intervened. It was like, you're doing it wrong. Like, let me show you how it's done. And the little boy like won a prize for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, just watch watch the watch the the pilot of this drama like the okay. the prize that he gets is actually really funny like when i saw this prize that he won for his daughter i lost my shit laughing it was so fucking funny like i don't i don't want to give it away because it's too good is it and, is it a yeah. show that um that you would ball your eyes all the time no, it's not like a romantic comedy kind of weepy okay. drama at all. So at all. Is it is it funny a bit? It's it's like got black comedy for sure. Um do you do you watch like did you watch the Hunger Games movies? Yeah, it's like similar to that. Oh, okay. It's similar to that. Okay. All right, so <laughs> question number 2. You're the same guy, you're Kihun, okay? That broke loser. <laughs> You're standing mm-hmm. on the subway platform waiting for the train and a very well-dressed, handsome man shows up and he propositions you. He says, you, you'll play a very simple game of this game called Takchi. It's this childhood game where you would take one folded piece of paper and mm-hmm. you throw it down on the other piece of paper trying to flip it over. Okay? Mm-hmm. And it's a very popular childhood game mm-hmm. in Korea. Are you mm-hmm. moving? Uh, is it okay if I'm moving a bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just keep talking. Okay. I'm and the the man says, if you flip over his paper, you will win one hundred dollars per game. Mm-hmm. But if he flips your paper, you owe him a hundred dollars. All right. So mm-hmm. of course, the first round you lose. Now you owe him a hundred dollars, right? You have no money. He says you can pay it off by taking a slap to the face. So he smacks you across the face. What do you do? What kind of smack? <laughs> like, it's really hard. Like, he like slaps you across the face. Yeah, like your face turns. You're okay Fine. with it? You, you take it? Okay. I'll take it. All right, good. Okay. Question number two. Mm-hmm. I mean, number three. The man who just slapped the shit out of your face Mm-hmm. Turns out he knows your name, he knows your date of birth, he knows who your kid is, he knows the exact amount of debt you are in, he knows everything about you, he knows that you live with your elderly mom, he hands you a business card, and there's a circle, mm-hmm. square, and a triangle stamped on the back, and there's also a phone number. So you call that phone number, and the person mm-hmm. on the other line, they give you instructions to wait for them at a specific place, mm-hmm. and you get in the car. And you pass out, and when you wake up, you're dressed in a tracksuit, and you're inside a large room with like 400 other people. And you mm-hmm. see your childhood friend there, Sangu. He's there, and you see an mm-hmm. elderly man there who's like, he's like dressed like you, and he says that he has a tumor in his head. 
And there are all these other people dressed in red uniforms and they're a mask, okay? And they lead you and all the hundreds of other people to the playground. And there's a gigantic Mm -hmm. robot shaped, uh, robot that's shaped like a little girl standing by a tree. And the the game that they're playing is called And in English, it's called red light, green light. So the robot girl turns around facing the tree and she says the phrase, and when she turns around, like you're supposed to freeze, right? But while she has her head turned, you can walk towards her and you have to tag her. So that's the game. This is popular childhood game. Yeah. Okay, so you're playing this game, right? Yeah. She turns around and anybody who's still moving, all these guns come out and they shoot them to death. They all die. Oh my God, you're really opening the wine. you're really were you smoking earlier too were you smoking a cigarette no okay i thought i saw you smoking (laughs) i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm stressing you out i was was thinking about it but i was like (laughs) all right so okay when when they said that you know you can play these games and win a lot of money yeah they didn't tell you that if you lose the game you're going to be killed, right? But that's that's what's happening, all right? You oh. turn around and you see that all these people around you are getting shot to death if they when they lose the game. What do you do? Yeah. Um, I think my pants would be full of shit in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> but you best believe my pants full of shit, I... I'll be focused as fuck. <laughs> I'll be focused as fuck. It's, it's about life and death. You best mm. believe I'm gonna win this. Bu- I'm gonna win this shit. Yeah. Because I'm not gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you will I, do your best to win the game. Good. Okay. I like your determination. With, yeah, with the full shit of pants. Yeah. All right. You go back to your room with all mm-hmm. the hundreds of people. Now now it's down to half. Okay, You started out with 400-something people. Now you're down to 200-something people because 200-something people just got shot to death by playing that fucking game. All right? There's yeah. this gigantic piggy bank that's hovering over the room, and it's full of money. There's millions of dollars inside that piggy bank. And whoever wins all five of the games that they play at mm-hmm. that location, they win all of that money. The winner gets all of it. Each time a person loses, the debt that they are in turns into money and goes into that bank. Okay? There are four more games left. And you know that people will continue to die as you play these games. Okay? Yeah. But yeah. but you have a choice. If everybody in that room says we do not want to play this game. If the majority says we do not want to play these games, we want to leave, then you can leave. All right? Like everybody will be forced to leave the island. But if the majority of the room chooses to stay and continue to play these games and win all that money, then you die. Then then, <laughs> then you continue to play the games. So if this was you, what would you do? Would you continue to play the games? Now keep in mind there are loan sharks. They're coming after your kidneys and your eyes and you have hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. You don't have a proper job. 
you could either stay and die or you could go out there and face this. What would you do? Um, is are sugar, male sugar babies a thing in Korea? <laughs> Actually, they are, yes. So why are we doing this? I was <laughs> sold my dick like a long time ago. I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, yeah. is, is he not ugly? He's uh, he's actually a kind of a decent looking guy. <laughs> so, but he's in his 40s, problem, you know. Problem solved. <laughs> okay. So I mean, I, I would suck all on these grandma nibbles. I mean... <laughs> yeah. I ain't got nothing to lose. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Be a prostitute instead. It's not option one or two. It's option three. Be a prostitute. Got it. But yeah, uh, yeah. I brought. I would probably. Is my decision like if I would say I don't want to play this game anymore? Would they shoot me? No. If the majority of the room says we don't want to play these games, everybody gets sent home. But if the majority of the room says we want to stay, that everybody stays and play the, plays the games. That's okay, good. let me guess. Everyone said let's stay and play the game. No, the majority said we're going to leave. Okay. Yeah. So fine. <laughs> so you're okay. I I'm a I'm okay and then uh, I'm going to sell my ass. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, surprise surprise. This guy comes back to the island like he <laughs> he returns okay. on his own accord he realizes the real world is just as shit and he can't do it so he comes back all right mm -hmm. and he meets that old man again the one with the brain tumor and he's a sweet old man you know you guys you guys like start to get along okay this old man has dementia though and he because he also has a brain tumor so you know his memory's no good yeah. And you guys develop a pretty decent bond over the next few days. You like yeah. each other a lot, okay? Mm -hmm. The next game is a game of marbles. And the instructions are given over the loudspeaker. They say, you need to take all the marbles from the person that you are partnered with. If you take all of their marbles and win in the next 30 minutes, then you win the game and the other person dies. What do you do? <laughs> what do you do? I cry and win the game. <laughs> I cry. I bawl my eyes out so much. I'm sorry, but I'm going to win the game. And while I'm winning the game, I tell him what a wonderful person he is. And I will definitely remember him and take care of his family. Mm. That's nice. But, but he has cancer. He's going to die anyways. That's true. That's true. So, I'm gonna. I, I have a ten-year-old daughter. I can't. I can't. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. So you and this old man, you guys are playing the games with the marbles. Okay. Yeah. This is how the game goes. You have to guess whether the person who's holding marbles in his hand is odd number or even number. Okay. And while mm -hmm. you guys are playing this game, the old man, he's kicking your ass. All right. He's he's guessing everything correctly. You're losing. You're down to one marble. 
All right. Mm -hmm. And the the guy in the red uniform, the guard, he's holding a gun to your head because he sees that you're about to lose now. And the old man is holding his hand out. And he says, guess. And you guess odd. And then he shows you the marbles. He has two marbles. And then the old man says, wait a minute. What did I, what did you say earlier? Did you say odd or even? He can't remember what your answer was. What do you say to him? Well, I say whatever to win. Hmm. So you would lie to him? Yes. Mm. Like I told you, I'm going to win this shit. I'm going to ball my eyes, but I'm going to win this. Okay. Good. You keep fooling this old man. This is what the character does. He keeps fooling the old man. In the end, you end up with all of the marbles, okay? But he has one marble left. And he says in the last game that you should bet all of your marbles and he'll bet all of his marbles. There's only two minutes left on the clock now, right? And he says, winner takes all in the last game. And then you're you're pissed now. You're like, how is that fair? I have 19 marbles. You have one marble. How the fuck is that fair? And then the old man says to you, was it fair when you fooled me into giving away all of my marbles? So the old man knew that you were tricking him the whole time. What do you do? Uh, like, do I have a choice? Hmm. Like, do I have do I, do we have to play his way? No, you don't. You don't. Yeah, like play this game again. I'm. Bottom line, I need to win. <laughs> <laughs> so. So if he's if he's better than me in this game, but he f keeps forgetting all the time, mm. doesn't matter, does it? Mm. Yeah, that's true. All right. So, final question. Remember, there were four hundred some mod people when this game started out, right? Mm -hmm. Get through all five of the games, you win. 400 and some some odd people died. You're the only surviving person. It, your childhood best friend died just before you were the last person standing. You win over $38 million. They're $38 million, it's all yours. Yeah. And when you win this money and you get home, you find your diabetic mother dead on the floor. You've been gone for like five days. What do you do? She, she she was dead for five days. You were gone for five days, and she died some like while you were gone. Yeah. What am I doing? Uh, well, there is nothing to do anymore. She's dead. I'm going to have a crisis. Pay for the funeral. Uh, Continue to have a crisis, a depression, overload, and um, <laughs> but I still I think my survival instincts just to provide for my child would be stronger than my mm. depression. I would still feel like a piece of shit, but mm -hmm. I have to survive to you know still provide for her. To, so keep living, pay off my debts. Mm. Uh, go to therapy. 
Um, if, if that if that would help, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, pay off my debts. Uh, mm. And watch watch my child grow up. I think I don't know at this point if you still can enjoy watching your child growing up. I guess you're you're fucked up for life mm. <laughs> after that experience. Um, That's true. Yeah. But you know, um, yeah, just buy buy my child a house. Um, Buy myself a house on 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 a lonely island. I don't know, and mm. or go to the monks and just uh, <laughs> try retreat. I don't know, and um, deposit the money on my child's bank account, and I th- I guess I just go away for good. The the money would have no meaning to you, it seems. No, it's just like pay my debt so everybody leave my ass alone. <laughs> and then take care of my child so she can do whatever she wants. Go mm-hmm. study abroad, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Travel yeah. and she she could she would she could find me anytime if she wants to. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Again, yeah. more more wise answers. <laughs> Like I, I, I guess like suicide would be a no. Like I said, suicide is not is not an option. I I, I came this far, but uh, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, my mom was sick, anyways, mm-hmm. and old. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a piece of shit. I I, I deserve <laughs> to go to retreat center or uh you know to to uh to the mountains and meditate with all the monks go to tibet i don't know mm. <laughs> give my money to charity and live as a humble as a humble monk i don't know mm. okay i would do that yeah that wraps up our flashcard questions. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and if that doesn't help, if my, my if my child is happy, um, I'm gonna kill myself then. <laughs> if she's happy, she doesn't need me anymore. I'm gonna kill myself because fuck this bullshit. <laughs> wow. Uh, it sounds like uh, these flashcard questions took a lot out of you. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like. Took all the hope out of you. Took the life out of you. I mean, literally. I mean, I watched my friends die. I, 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 I tricked a cancer patient. I actually killed him. I killed this man. And then I was a piece of shit all my life, letting my mom uh, searching through trash just to get me some cash. Mm-hmm. And I gambled all the time because mm-hmm. I couldn't help it. Okay, right. There's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to kill yourself. It's, mm. it's a lot of reasons. Hmm. Yeah. 
I, I don't know if I would be strong enough to, you know, to forgive myself mm. for all that. Right. The only life source that will would really keep me alive or keep me away from suicide would be my daughter. Mm-hmm. Right. Thanks, okay. Benny. <laughs>